Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 942. Your cloak, boy, your turning cape. How in God's sweet grace did you tumble onto a shade? He mistook my surprise for ignorance. Don't you know what you're wearing? I know what it is, I said. I'm just surprised that you do. He gave me an insulted look. I wouldn't be much of a nameer if I couldn't spot a fairy cloak a dozen feet away. He took a corner of it between his fingers. Oh, that's just lovely. Here's a piece of old magic man rarely lays a finger on. It's new magic, actually, I said. What do you mean? he asked. When it became obvious my explanation involved a long story, Elodin led us into a small, cozy pub I'd never seen before. I hesitate to call it a pub at all, actually. It wasn't full of chattering students and the smell of beer. It was dim and quiet, with a low ceiling and scattered clusters of deep, comfortable chairs. It smelled of leather and old wine. We sat near a warm radiator and sipped mulled cider while I told him the whole story of my unintentional trip into the Fae. It was a wonderful relief. I hadn't been able to tell anyone yet for fear of being laughed out of the university. Elodin proved to be a surprisingly attentive audience and was especially interested in the fight Valerian and I had had when she had tried to bend me to her will. After I'd finished the story, he peppered me with questions. Could I remember what I'd said to call the wind? How had it felt? The strange wakefulness I described, was it more like being drunk or more like going into shock? I answered as best I could, and eventually he leaned back in his chair, nodding to himself. It's a good sign when a student goes chasing the wind and catches it, he said approvingly. That's twice you've called it now. It can only get easier. Three times, actually, I said. I found it again when I was off in Edemra. He laughed. You chased it to the edge of the map, he said, making a broad motion with his splayed left hand. Stunned, I realized it was Adem Hantok for amazed respect. How did it feel? Do you think you could find its name again if you had need of it? I concentrated, trying to nudge my mind into spinning leaf. It had been a month and a thousand miles since I'd tried, and it was hard to tip my mind into that strange, tumbling emptiness. Eventually, I managed it. I looked around the small room, hoping to see the name of the wind like a familiar friend. But there was nothing there except dust motes swirling in a beam of sunlight that slanted through a window. That's the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. This, to me, is Elodin in a bit of a different light. Suddenly he cares. <laughs> Yeah, it's not just that I think he's always cared, but I think it it the proof is now that he is not only is he well traveled, but he actually understands the turnings of the world. Like not only does he believe in fairies, but he's like, yep, there's fairies, there's a fairy cloak, they're a thing, it's old magic, there is old magic in the world. Uh, also, he's, you know, been to Edemra, he understands, apparently been to Edemra, he understands hand talk fluently. He's a much more like traveled practical guy. And I think this casts his disdain for the administration of the university in a different light also because as someone who understands the real powers at work in the world of course he's not that interested in like the petty politics of like running admissions for the university right of course he has nothing but scorn for that whole process yeah who cares about that when something like Fullerian is real I think it's interesting that his reaction would quote his surprise that he knows what a shade is. Well, of course I do. Like, what namer wouldn't? But he's never, ever brought this up in any of his naming classes. He's never said, by the way, fairies are real. And if you're a namer, you got to know about them because X, Y, and Z. So I think that that also illustrates 
a you know a weakness in his pedagogical technique that he he kind of takes for granted that his students know certain truths about the world that he has not bothered to explain to them and they don't really have any other reason to know I don't totally agree with that. I think that that's something that you would get to. Like you normally you would probably advance in naming before getting to the conversation about fairies. Maybe you need to see the world a certain way in order to see the fairy things and maybe then you would then you would have that conversation. But Well, sure, but then why is he insulted by Quoth saying, "I'm surprised you know this?" Why would Quoth have any reason to think that he does know that? Uh, well, he's also he's still Ella, he's still a prickly tit. Yeah, that's what I'm that's sort of what I'm getting at here. <laughs> also, maybe that's why you have to go chase the wind. That's why Elodin encouraged him to do so and is happy for it. Maybe it's not something that can be taught in school. Maybe you have to go off and do it. And so maybe Elodin is, you know, being a prickly tit because he's going, okay, you have fairy stuff now, so you must understand that this is part and parcel with, with being a namer. And maybe that's also an insight we should pack away, is that in order to be a namer, you have to be touched by Faye or vice versa. In order to touch Faye, you have to be inclined to name or tude. Yeah. And at the same time, I think that he and Quoth feel more like they're not equals. They're still student and teacher, but I think Elodin has like a new respect for Quoth who has kind of proved that he's serious about this stuff. And Quoth has a new respect for Elodin because Elodin has shown that he knows more than Quoth thought he did. And Quoth's experiences elsewhere in the world have given him a new kind of respect for the things that Elodin was trying to teach him. Yeah. Reasonable. I do wish Quoth had figured it out sooner because it was pretty clear to us reading that there was method to the madness, but... Well, but Quoth hasn't read this book before. Yeah, and yeah. he's that... an angsty teenager. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this pub is awesome. I want to drink here. <laughs> This is this really strikes me as like this is this is the adult pub. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, the adults time. sit here. <laughs> yeah. And I really like the detail of they're sitting near a warm radiator, which is a very like modern piece of technology that they have presumably accomplished through sympathy as opposed to a fire. But also it's so cozy, right? Like it's a warm radiator, they're sipping mulled cider in a leathery like a deep comfortable leather chair. Like that's such a that's such an evocative series of, of things to point out. And you really get the sense of like the comfort and the trust that is coming about here. Not to mention that Quoth is talk, finally talking about things he hasn't been able to talk about with anybody. Yeah, because he knows that no one else would really believe him. But that's sort of what I was getting at. Like Rothfuss accomplishes a lot in that simple description because he establishes that very cozy feeling while also reminding us that like this is a particular unique fantasy universe in which this kind of technology exists to facilitate that coziness. I want to talk about the questions Elodin asks. Uh, they're not in quotes, but ostensibly these are verbatim. Could you remember what you'd say to call the wind? How had it felt? The strange wakefulness I'd described. Was it more like being drunk or more like going into shock? Both of those kind of like traumatic experiences, right? Certainly going into shock is not something that you would, I don't know, seek to do. I think it's interesting that Elodin is like, I don't know, maybe comparing his own experience with naming or or his experience with others. Remember Alder Wynn, once his Giller, clearly had a traumatic experience with naming. Um, maybe Elodin is trying to suss out what quotes naming how it's felt for him, if it is in fact traumatic. Sure. Yeah. There's a risk for that. 
And one wonders if Elodin is asking these questions because he's trying to find commonalities or if he's trying to kind of find out in what ways Quoth's naming experience is unique. I think he's drafting an IEP. Uh, I think as much as as Quoth and you seem to think that he is not a, a practiced pedagogist, I think he is. And I think that he's like, yep, I'm teaching him now. And like, I'm going to gather my details, my my data points on how he experiences this and what he needs, where he needs to grow. So I think he's like making an education plan for growth by asking him these, this, these questions. Yes, I completely agree with that. I've And I want to be clear that I'm not saying that Elodin is a bad teacher. I'm saying that his particular personality combined with his, with his particular methodology means that there are certain gaps or limitations to his approach. And see, I don't agree because I think he's the perfect person to be teaching this stuff. It's just that most people don't respond well to it. But I don't think that there are gaps. It's just that what he's teaching is so bizarre and esoteric. Okay. Okay. Jordana, what do you think? Uh, You know, you know what I think. That's right. Tiebreaker Jordana. Here she comes, ready to pass judgment, (laughs) lay down the law. Old tonsil mouth Jordana. Hey, you yawned too. I have never yawned. (laughs) (laughs) Also, oh, I was going to say, I hope we all have tonsils, but I guess sometimes you have your tonsils removed for good reasons. So sometimes you have them removed for bad reasons too. Sometimes you're just like looking for a, for a fun new medical procedure to try out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, no. You've, you've never undergone a frivolous medical procedure for fun, Jordana. I highly recommend it. It's it's free under our healthcare system. That's right. You can just wander into a hospital and say tonsils out, please. And they have to do it. Yeah. Give me a third arm. You say your doctor weeping because of socialism. I must comply. That's right. You flash your health card. Is that, is is that what the, uh, is that what the political right is worried about? Yes. I don't know why they would be because that's how we live. That's, that's, yeah. And it's awesome. It's sick. Yeah. This is the future socialist one. Three arms, no tonsils. (laughs) No waiting. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm just gonna um, I'm go and uh, sit on the fence. As uh, okay, bye. Um, I'm gonna read a letter. Here we go. Mailbag. You you can't stop me. This is from Josh the Barrister, writing again after some time on Bible studies and the false ra. Hi all. Hope I stuck this in before the end and that it isn't too long. I got behind as I paused to binge Doctor to binge Doctor Bart Ehrman's fantastic podcast, misquoting Jesus. It deals a lot with textual criticism of the Bible, which is the study of trying to figure out what the most original text was and how and when it was compiled and changed. Most of it is educated guesses based on lots of context, but sometimes we have hard evidence. For example, the story of the woman taken in adultery in the Gospel of John, quote, let he who is without sin cast the first stone, end quote, was not originally in John. We know because none of the earliest copies of John include it, and then we have one copy a couple hundred years later where the story appears for the first time, just appended to the very end of John like a supplement. Most most modern Bibles have a footnote saying this. So how does this relate to Kingkiller? A listener wrote in to say he thought the false raw story seemed out of place and maybe it was a late addition because it didn't mention much about Ademra. Like John, we have a clear answer here, but it's the opposite of what the listener thought. The false Ross story was the very first part of Kingkiller ever published way back in 2002 as a standalone short story called The Road to Levenshire. It gathered Pat some attention and opened the door for him to move forward on the whole series. The reason it is missing the Ademra material is because it wasn't written yet. I linked a Reddit thread below that talks about some of the minor changes Pat made between the original and the Kingkiller version. 
I've always wondered what it would have been like to read the false Rust story without any context or knowing who Kroth was. At first, it would seem like an unmemorable meeting of a bard with his people, but then sinister facts creep in. Theft, banditry, culminating in the girls. We'd think Kroth is in on it and that he and the Ra are awful people until the big reveal. Then we could go back and see that the clues were there all along if we had read carefully. This is the same trick Pat pulls in The Princess and Mr. Wiffle, and the same one you all suggest, and I agree, is the heart of Kingkiller at large. Anyway, I've been with you since almost the beginning, and it's been a pleasure to watch you all grow. Thanks for everything, and here's to a bright future. Signed, Josh the, Josh the Barrister, and there is a link to that promised Reddit thread, which I will link in the show notes. I did not know this. I did not know that that chapter was published as a I short story know this. before the publishing I of the book. I did not know that. That is interesting. Today, we were today years old when we learned. That's right. Yeah. Fernanda, and it might be an interesting Patreon episode to find and read oh that boy. story and talk about. Okay, I'll write it down. Thank you. That's why I mentioned it yeah. because, as you all know, I don't have fingers and yeah, I'm not able fingers to. Fingers were removed in the yeah. same instant where he got that third arm from the doctor. That's right. That's right. Uh, new arm, but no fingers, please. Just a just kind of tendril. Just sort of a club. Right. Yeah. It's a little bit, a little bit droopy now. A little bit sleepy. Having a medical procedure like that does take it out. Yeah, you know what? I'll perk you right up. Another medical procedure. You want to go head down to Toronto General and uh, I don't know, get some rhinoplasty. Yeah, let's let's see if they can like give me one of those cool like upgrade mods where they like replace one of your lungs with like a tank of acid. Whoa, what? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was want the, uh, the RoboCop. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's sick. Where there's like a yeah. gun in your leg. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely sick. Yeah. Also, there's the the old classic, the monofilament wire underneath your mm-hmm. fingernail. Is like Jeremy's Shadowrun character? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what we're doing. Yeah, we're talking about uh, street samurai gear now. Just got to calculate your essence cost. Luckily, as Canadians, uh, whenever we uh, swipe our health cards, it shows our current essence. So, yeah, we know where we're at. Listeners, you too can experience uh, wonderful Shadowrun socialism. Just, <laughs> just go vote. <laughs> Uh, yes, Pokemon Go 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 to the polls on tomorrow's page. Um. <laughs> the Wait.